What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mastermind Podcast. And today we have our special guest, Michael, here with us. And we're here to learn from Michael about how he became a business owner and really how he took his business to the next level. Michael, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Sure. Thanks a lot. Uh, My name is Michael Lamont. I am a trader and author, trading coach. I I've been trading for about 25 years now. Uh, the the first 10 of it was an absolute nightmare. I basically uh, learned trial by fire and uh, did so many things the, the absolute wrong way. Uh, when I finally started to learn how to trade uh, correctly uh, and still made loads of mistakes, uh, uh, I was able to start to make progress and start to make steady progress. And then about five years ago, I had saved up uh, enough capital, uh, roughly uh, 500000 to where I was able to say, Goodbye to the day job and then move on to uh, trading and coaching and doing this full time and uh, writing books. And a new book is coming out on April 4th called The Trading Mind Wheel. Amazing, amazing. And we'll get deep dive into the trading and all the uh, intricacies that you have and knowledge you have in that. But like, tell us where your story starts. Like, where did you come from and like really what got you to where you are today? Yeah, so... uh, well, why I got interested in trading, uh, it's really my, my uncle that, that got me interested uh, in trading. Well, we were, uh, I grew up in, uh, in Astoria, Queens. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, if everybody doesn't know where, where that is. It's part of New York City. <laughs> Queens is one of the boroughs in, in New York City. And we were walking in our backyard and I I think I was maybe about 13 years old, uh, and he said, "You know, Michael, you you really have to learn about these stocks. Uh, you, you know that they're uh, it's important to learn about. You should read the Wall Street Journal, learn learn about these things." I just bought this one. Um, they they make these uh, circuits that let your electronics talk to you uh, to each other without wires. Right mm. uh, back in the day. Uh, turned out to be Bluetooth. And so that, that worked <laughs> out pretty well for him. And the idea of you could take a little bit of money, put it into something and see that grow, that intrigued me a lot. And part of the reason why it intrigued me so much was because uh, if we go back even earlier into my early childhood, and I talk about this in the book too, uh, my parents split up and uh, for uh, – a brief period, uh, I was homeless uh, for about two months. Then um, my, my mom sent me off to, to live with uh, with my dad, and uh, I lived with him. And we uh, we had a roof over our heads, but um, uh, we were uh, we had enough money to keep the roof over our head, food on the table, but we didn't have time. Like uh, I barely saw him. He was managing. Uh, uh, he was managing a, a grocery store. Uh, and so uh, that got me thinking later on in life, too, that I wanted to be able to have money. I, I understood the, the importance uh, of money like uh, in a very uh, real way. And I also knew the importance of wanting to have time uh, with family and mm-hmm. uh, time and freedom to be able to do what I want. So when I heard about the this idea of trading it and or investing and being able to put money in and then more money somehow magically pops out the other side, uh, that uh, that piqued my curiosity. 
So I started learning about that uh, or doing the uh, the moderate research. But like back then, uh, I was uh, I thought that, you know, uh, reading a, a, a newspaper or watching a TV show uh, counted as research. And so I uh, graduated high school and I took the savings that, that I had and I went to my local bank. Uh, to uh, make my first uh, trading endeavor because I thought that back then that that's where you go to uh, trade stocks. You go to uh, your bank. I saw like a little financial kiosk. I'm like, oh, well, that that must be it. So (laughs) I take my money. I go there uh, and I tell them uh, I want to invest in stocks. And uh, they say, whoa, whoa, kid, you you don't want to do that. Uh, That's uh, that's way too risky. Uh, What you want is this. And they showed me the mutual funds that they had at the time. And uh, and the time period of this is about uh, 1999, right? So uh, for anybody that's not familiar, that's the uh, uh, towards the tail end of the tech bubble where you could basically close your eyes, throw a dart, and hit a winning stock. Kind of like uh, what it was like in 2020 mm. or the, uh, the second half of 2020. So on the way down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, when 2020, well, when uh, stocks started rallying off the lows, uh, like around, uh, what was it, March or April? Uh, yeah, like things got to be pretty, uh, a pretty bullish environment, yeah, you could say. So I started to invest in these mutual funds. I took their advice. I, I uh, bought the mutual funds and I checked my account balance a couple of months later and it was up 10%. And I'm like, man, I'm a genius. Uh, <laughs> right? uh, I wish I had done this sooner. Uh, and uh, by the time I graduate college, not only am I, is my uh, little account, I started with five grand. Not only did I expect that to, to grow, I expected it to be able to buy this car that I was interested in. So, Time goes by, uh, studies start to get more intense, and I don't look at the account. But, well, why do I need to look at the account? I've got loads of diversification. Mutual funds are managing it. The professionals are managing it for me. I'm good to go. So 2002 rolls around, and I check my account balance, and that was uh, getting close to the bottom after the, the bubble burst. I didn't even know any of this was happening. Um, but I checked my account balance at 2002 and I didn't have the uh, 15, 20 grand I thought that I would have. I didn't uh. have 10 grand. I didn't have the five grand that I started with. Somehow it was down oh. to four grand. Uh, and it's like, well, well, what the hell? I've got the pros, the pros uh. managing the money for me. And I had loads of time, loads of diversification. What in the hell happened? So I uh, took my money out, closed the account and went home and cried. And, and that was my first endeavor into uh, the stock market. <laughs> that, that's well, that's not amazing, but I mean that's a that's a hilarious story. You know that you went to financial, you went to your bank, and they ended up you know depleting your money. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. But what what is. is? Why do you think that? Why do you think that most people do take that route that you took? Um, no, what into mutual funds. Oh, so well, back then. Well, the reason why uh, I could say why why I took it, uh, I took it because I didn't know better. I thought that I had uh, done research uh, in a in a sense what the people at the bank told me was right. It would have been risky for me to go in and put money in because I was completely unprepared. Well, kind of like how uh, most people today 
like it's so easy to open up a, an account that at say you're at Robinhood or Thinkorswim or, or any of these places. All, all you have to do, you fill out a, a form, you put your money in, and then you're you're good to go, right? So so now you're a trader. But well, when it comes to any other profession that you could think of, right? You you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be an electrician. Uh, you have to go to school and there's an expectation of, okay, I need to go learn what I'm doing, learn from books, learn from professors. Uh, There's a studying process. There's a mentorship process afterwards. Uh, And then you start to get good. For trading, what, I just pull up the app and uh, play some trades and money's going to flow in, right? Like It's weird how uh, the vast majority of us don't put those kind of things together. At least uh, I didn't. And uh grand scheme of things for to get that lesson early on uh was a blessing amazing amazing and so tell us some like strategies you know that you help your clients out with and some ways that you know you learned how to become a better trader sure so uh to become a better trader it, it, there's really eight essential skills that are needed to become uh, a great trader. And no matter, and that, this applies whether you are going to be somebody that's longer term, whether you're somebody that's shorter term, uh, day trading, well, well, whatever. Everybody's going to need these eight essential skills. Uh, the first one it starts with mindset. And the uh, beliefs, uh, well, when I think of mindset, I think of beliefs uh, and belief systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's kind of like uh, internal programming, the software uh, that's uh, running in the background. So any kind of action that we're going to take is going to be belief-driven. Any kind of emotion that we have is based off of some kind of a belief. If you're going to go skydiving, some people will find that exhilarating and exciting. Somebody will be scared to death. Why? It's based on beliefs. Uh, it's like, well, why? Uh, well, when uh, my daughter, she's seven years old. Well, when she was three, she didn't know that I shouldn't run across the street. She didn't have a belief that you could get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. I had that belief, so I'm scared for her and like holding her to not go do that. But she's right uh, now you know, fearless. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it's not a matter of being fear. Well, it is fearless, but it's see, ah. So so there. This is good. Fear is not the enemy. Mm. A lot of people think of fear as the enemy. Well, if fear needs to be understood. So we need to mm. question why the fear is there. So the fear mm. is there to, to help us. Um, one of the beliefs that I have now, I didn't always have this belief, but well, one of the beliefs that I have now is that the, the universe always has my back. Right? That uh, everything is meant to serve. And so part of my job is to figure out, well, how is it serving? And to start coming up with the questions to, to find out how and in what ways is uh, is this serving me? So uh, the first skill uh, comes down to mindset, uh, and we talk about that in the book. And uh, each of the other skills are, are all the since everything is beliefs. Well, like we'll we would have beliefs about say journaling. Journaling is a, an essential skill. Post analysis is a skill. Um, Market analysis, that's a skill. Risk management is a skill. All these things. So, And in all of them, uh, we'll have beliefs about each one of these things. And so the journaling, uh, that's the second skill that I mentioned in the book. Uh, And I do it for part of the reason is because, well, people think that journaling, well, well, why bother with this? Uh, This is 
boring. It's not a sexy topic. Um, so if you go in with, with that kind of a mindset, do you think that you're going to journal well or toss it aside? Most you're people gonna, would right. toss you're it aside. Toss aside. You're not going to care. Right. But part of the reason why it's so important is because it's the, the thing that's going to allow us to capture uh, our own data. Um data about the market, data about why we place trades, uh, pretty much everything. And it's a, uh, the thing that will allow us to later on figure out, well, how can we improve? Very hard to improve if we're not uh, capturing uh, not just our entries and exits uh, and our plan, but, well, how do we feel about the trade? How do we feel about the market? Well, what are our setups doing? Um, starting to track statistics, uh, all sorts of things. Um, and so the, that's one of the reasons why I, I feel that journaling is uh, is a core skill. Uh, and uh, it, it's not just for me, too. Every trader that I've uh, studied, have interviewed, uh, have uh, been coached by, uh, all of them have had this part in their success stories. Amazing, amazing. And, like, it's funny you mentioned journaling because – you know, I've done a hundred of these podcasts and I can say every single one, all the people always mention journaling, uh, meditation. Those two things are always, you know, consistent theme throughout, you know, business owners and everything. And it's, it's nice to see that consistent theme and it must have some merit to it. You know, if constantly business owners are practicing that. Yeah, totally. Well, the, the common factors for success, uh, like uh, if you study enough success, they like uh, I'm sure uh, like we're speaking to the choir here, right? Like like you see that there's common threads no matter what in uh, across industries. Yeah, journaling, journaling, mindset, meditation, all that stuff is uh, very important. It, it It's great and it works. 100%. So like, what's the goals with your business? You know, where are you looking to take this within the next six to 12 months? Yeah, sure. So the we've got a virtual conference coming up on April 4th. Uh, that thing's going to be huge. Uh, that's uh, one of the things that is uh, slightly outside my comfort zone. Um, uh, the reason why I, I even say it in that way, right? So, so I've spoken to uh live audiences uh 100 200 people i've been on other panels before but i've never hosted my own conference so that that's why it's a little bit outside the comfort zone uh, that uh like nervous energy but um excited uh about it too uh but i've got a phenomenal team uh jason graystone uh, is hosting uh, he's uh he has tons of experience uh, another big name in the space um Mark Minervini, two-time U.S. investing champion. He's going to be speaking at the conference. He was one of my mentors, uh, and uh, it's surreal that he's uh, speaking at the conference. We're sharing a stage. Uh, guy wrote the the forward on my book, too. The, that's incredible. Uh, so many people are surrounding me, like, uh, like having a great team. Having a great mm. team is important. Having uh, the people around you uh, being tenacious and uh getting after it like that all those kinds of things are important for success uh, i think success in general 
100%. And like, you know, if you were someone that was just getting out of high school, what are some ways that you would build those type of connections, those good relationships? Because a lot of high schoolers, you know, they can tend to get stuck on their old friends, you know, and really the people that you hang around, that's going to be reflect on who you are. So how do you get those good type of people that have a good mindset around you? Well, uh, now it's easier than ever, right? Well, with social media, it's just uh, making sure that uh, these social channels are serving us uh, and not the other way around. Um, the the algorithms are very smart, right? Like they're they're going to serve us uh, what uh, what we want uh, for better or worse. And uh, you know, you, you you scroll through, and it 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 can be uh, like an echo chamber. Uh, if we're not careful, but if we curate the content that's going to right. service better, then that, that's the uh, that's probably the first way to to start to to change uh, your mindset. I remember a couple of years back uh, when I started to get into the self development uh, and that kind of space, and I started to look for uh, videos uh, on these kinds of things. Uh, YouTube started to to serve me more and more content that's based on self development and learning about guys uh, like Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard, Ed Milet, all all, all these. Uh, Robin Sharma, I've got uh, a couple of books here of, 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 from Robert Greene sitting on my desk. It, it, uh, you know, the, the systems, the algorithms, all that stuff will work to serve us if we're actively looking for the things that will serve us. It's also going to serve us things that may not necessarily help us if we're looking for those things too. Mm. And how do you not get stuck in that echo chamber? Because a lot of people can just consume, consume, consume all day, but they won't actually do anything. They'll just sit and consume all that information. So how do you actually end up taking action or what pushes you to actually take action? Yeah, so the self-awareness is really important. And it's why getting the these different skills, right? Like we spoke about journaling, we spoke about meditation, those kind of things. Those kinds of things will help to to start to get the clarity of like, well, what's going on between our ears and start to to get out of that kind of comfort zone thing. The the thing that that's going to drive somebody out that's kind of stuck in the echo chamber or stuck in any kind of a place where they don't want to be, it's ultimately pain, right? Like pain is not a... Bad thing. Pain is that. a motivator. Uh, so that that's part of what what got me to the like right like that first story uh, with putting money in, and then all of a sudden <laughs> the, the the pros lost it for me uh, exactly. after all that time. So if I didn't have that pain point, then uh, I would have just sat there and said, oh, "Okay." Great, uh, they did well. I've got a ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent gains, and. Uh, we wouldn't be talking right now because I'd still be off uh, with them. You would have been comfortable. So, right. So pain is the thing that helps get us out of our comfort zone. And the more that we're able to seek being uncomfortable, starting to see that discomfort as a, as an ally versus as, you know, like a, an enemy, I, I think that that's something to cultivate too. And it's part of it's, – it's also part of the first – one of the first things that we mentioned where – the universe is always serving us. Uh, like uh, everything that's happening, it's serving us. Uh, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, but it's serving us and it's our job to figure out how. 
Exactly. You know, you got to pick up the lessons that, the, like you said, the universe is trying to teach. And if you're just going to sit there unaware, you're going to get unaware results. You know, you're going to have random sporadic things pop up that you aren't aware of. But like, what made you such a hustler from a young age? Because I could tell, you know, you talk about being homeless. Like, I'm sure that had an impact on, you know, oh, I, I want to get out of this situation. I want to make something better for my life. Uh, I don't know if I was always uh, a hustler. Like, I was kind of a, uh, like a, I don't want to cuss on the show, but um, go ahead. You're you know, good. Like what? No, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, all good. Like I, like I remember kind of like being like a slacker, kind of like a, a fuck up in uh, in high school a mm. little bit. Um, I yeah. To even be on a show like this, uh, I had a terrible stutter uh, when I was younger mm. too. Uh, I didn't want to get in front of the class, read books, uh, or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, it wasn't until high school. Um, uh, the, this is a, a funny story, too. So in high school, uh, I went to this uh, Catholic high school, and they had this thing called Visitation Day. Visitation Day was when they sent a couple of students out uh, with one of the teachers to speak to uh, an elementary Catholic school to recruit people to come to uh, our school. Uh Go there and talk about the school. So I didn't really I wasn't a fan of public speaking back then, so I wrote out my my speech and I got up in front of the class and I and I read it and I got through it and it, it was okay. Uh and then there was uh this other guy. He got up, gave the speech from the heart, no paper or anything, and uh I saw him do that. I'm like, wow, I I want to do that at the next school. So I we got to the next school and I'm uh, on the way there. I'm thinking about well, what I'm going to say and everything. So uh, and I've got my my plan and uh, I thought that it was really well thought out. And I get up to talk to these sixth graders. Uh, I was in uh, I think ninth tenth grade uh, at the time. So I get up and I get two sentences out, completely blank. And I'm <laughs> standing there. For what felt like an hour, but it was probably like, uh, you know, maybe 10 seconds or 15 seconds or so. And then oh, I, I pull out the paper from my <laughs> back pocket with the speech, read through it as quickly as I can, go go <laughs> off, sit down. And now I've got all these little sixth graders sitting there uh, <laughs> laughing at me and, and uh, embarrassed as hell. And so uh, I'm like, oh, n- never again. Right. And so my friends uh, at the time, right, the importance of having good people around you, uh, my friends being the good friends that they were said, no, you're you're joining the drama club and you're joining speech and debate. I'm like, Mm. did you not hear the story that I just told you? (laughs) And they pushed me and uh, I did the drama club. I did the speech and debate. And uh, by the end of the year, I was going to the state championships. So (laughs) it's that pushing through the uh, that comfort zone and uh, putting in the work consistently uh, and it's the type of practice too right because well we could practice something and be practicing in the wrong way well we, if we're facing if we want to see a sunset but we're facing east we're never going to see the sunset so it's getting people around you that can help push you but to also help you practice uh, and to develop skills in the right way that will help and the right way is towards achieving a result in this case it was in public speaking and learning how to be comfortable in my own skin uh being able to talk and answer questions on the fly and so that part 
is something that I needed to push through back then that allows me to be here and talk with you uh, and your audience. Amazing. And like, what made you self-aware of that? Because a lot of kids, you know, they would go up there and mess up and they'd be like, you know, what? I'm just never doing this again. I'm quitting. I'm, I'm never going to do public speaking. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to drama class with my friends. What made you be like, you know what? I need to get better. Uh, my friends being relentless and being good people <laughs> uh, and just like, like telling the truth, deciding to, to go along with it and give it a shot. Mm. Uh, that's basically, uh, yeah, the. You know, uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of grace involved, too. Uh, Mm. If I continued to push back against them, then sure, you know, people are only going to help push you so far. Uh, At some point, we've got to be the ones to take the step. Uh, Yeah, thankfully, uh, back then, uh, I made the the right choice, the uncomfortable choice, and... uh, it worked out. Awesome. And give us some like trading advice. You know, how do you think, you know, the crypto market is looking for the future long term? How do you think the stock market is looking in the next five years, the crypto and stock market? The, I'm glad you phrased it in that way, because five years, I have no clue. Uh, mm-hmm. No clue well whatsoever. So uh, the way that, that I operate is to look at the market and come up with an assessment based off of uh, my own set of rules uh, and systems. Uh, and it's not something that I just cooked up uh, out of nowhere. It's things that uh, it, it's based off of one of the other skills that I talk about in the book, uh, which is testing. And in testing, there's three types of testing. There's factor modeling, uh, back testing, and forward testing. So let's talk about factor modeling. Factor modeling is figuring, going out, fig- Finding what works and then dissecting it, right? Like a, for high school, right? Like a, like you're dissecting a frog. Like how does this thing work? Well, mm-hmm. you could do the same thing with, uh, with trading. And so when I started to, to go deeper down the, uh, the rabbit hole and, uh, my trading journey and trying to figure out, well, what, uh, what do I like? What makes sense to me? Eventually I found, growth and momentum stocks and uh, the, the people that, that spoke about it. Uh, so I found a methodology that, that fit me. Uh, the first person uh, or the first book that I read was How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. That's the one that, uh, that, that I read that really stuck. Lo- loads of others that I read before that, but this was the one that finally helped me turn the corner. Um, he's a pretty famous guy in the space. Um, he created a newspaper called Investors Business Daily, uh, great newspaper, and I uh, went through all of his stuff, studied all that. Then I started to find other people that were similar uh, to him, and uh, one of them uh, that I mentioned earlier, Mark Minervini, two-time U.S. investing champion, uh, he built on O'Neill's work and other people's work that came before him. So now uh, I'm starting to see this lineage, right? And so it's just like, okay... Uh, O'Neill had it this way, Mark took it, and he made it his own and uh, became a champion. So, great. Now, how can I go and take their work, Mm. customize it for me? Because they were doing all this stuff full-time. I learned all this stuff while I still had my my day job and everything. So, how can I go and make this work for me uh, and trade 
uh, or at least do the work at night on weekends and then place trades where I don't have to pay attention to them during the day. So uh, over the course uh, of about a year of working uh, with this group, I was able to figure out how to uh, develop some of uh, some of these skills, some of these analysis, get, get uh, efficient at it, so I could basically look for trades uh, on my commute home, <laughs> right? Like, so I was working in in Manhattan at the time. Um, took the subway uh, back to my apartment, and you know, would like read on my iPad, like about. Uh, looking at charts, different setups, things like that, reading the Investor's Business Daily, the electronic version at the time, uh, and uh, would come up with a plan at night, like, okay, I'm going to enter here, uh, exit here if I lose, uh, have targets up here if I win and start to scale out that way. And over the course of the year, um, I finally had my first profitable year. And this is maybe, I think, in 2010, 2011, uh, that period. And I... uh, showed the group that I was working with, uh, that I was learning with, uh, what I had done over the course of the year. And they uh, were impressed to the point where they invited me to be a leader of the group, um, the Investors Business Daily meetup group in New York City. And they also told me that they wanted to uh, take some of the things that I was doing and implement it mm. themselves. And that, that was uh, mind-blowing for me at the time. And the reason why is just like, well, you guys are semi-pros, semi-pros, right? Like one guy was a hedge fund manager. A couple of others were already trading full-time. So it's like, well, well what would you possibly want to take for, for me? Or what could you learn from me? And they all, all said, like in unison, a lot. And it's, uh, you know, part of it is that, well, if I could find ways to do what they're doing, but do it part-time and make it that kind of efficient, who wouldn't want to save more time? But also, uh, the it's the mindset that they had, uh, like having a beginner's mind. Uh, so the idea of beginner's mind is that you're always constantly trying to learn. You're trying to improve. Uh, that, the, that part of the journey doesn't end. If you are closed-minded if you think that oh I'm the master I don't need to learn anymore then then you know there's no growth. Uh, I think that masters are continuously improving and mastery is a continuous improvement process. Like I look at myself like I don't think that I'm the master of anything. Like people might uh, look at me and think that uh, that I've achieved a certain level of mastery and you know that uh, perhaps that's true in some regards, but the my learning doesn't stop. I'm learning new things all the time from other members in our program, from uh, people that are further ahead of me, like like Mark, uh, like uh, like Jim Ropel, who's a hedge fund manager that's also speaking at the conference. The people that are brand new and asking a a very simple question and asking a very simple question, uh, you'll help somebody that's more experienced uh, think of things in a different way. And so that everybody has value to give. And I love what you mentioned about, you know, O'Neill and then Mark eventually took from O'Neill and then, you know, you took from Mark. It's just a constant reinvent, reinventing the wheel. You know, you're not creating the new wheel, but you're reinventing it and making it better and tailoring it to your strengths. And that's really amazing. And I think a lot of people, they end up just copying, you know, they just copy and paste. Okay, this is your roadmap to success. I'm going to do the exact same thing. And that can really only take you so far, you know? 
Right, because you you don't you never install the beliefs. Mm. So that you could have having somebody else's framework for how to uh, bake a cake is very useful, right? Like, like you could just follow the recipe and learn how to do it. But until you like put your fists in the dough, like you don't know how to bake cake. Right? <laughs> uh, like it's one thing to to read it; it's another thing to actually do it. So maybe it. If you wanted to make a chocolate cake and you do it for the first time, like uh, it's probably going to be lopsided, <laughs> you know, like there'll be some uh, some something missing that you didn't think of. But your fifth time, your tenth time doing it, it's going to be a lot better than the first because now you have experience actually doing it. In in trading, like there's so much stuff in the space, or or really like the I think the problem is the the mindset coming in. And um, the uh, wanting to just copy somebody else's thing and then try to implement it. And then if it doesn't work, I think that that's part of the reason why. That you don't have that person's uh, beliefs yet. Or you don't have the, uh, the different types of beliefs that are needed to, uh, to execute well. Beliefs are just the software in our head that's going to allow us to execute. If we have the beliefs, great, we'll be able to execute. If we don't, then, uh, then we won't. I love that she said that beliefs are just a software because our brains are pretty much just like computers. You know, we're constantly receiving information and depending on what you receive, that's going to be what you output. That's going to be what you create, you know, and what you desire also. But it was an amazing talk. Um, I appreciate the value you came on here and provided for the people. Where can they find you? Shout out your book, you know, shout out your social medias. Yeah, sure. So the best place to, to find out more information about me and the book and everything is going to be my main blog. It's marrowwealth.com, M-A-R-A wealth.com. You, you might be able to see a little bit of it on the, the wall over there. Mm-hmm. So marrowwealth.com. Uh, yeah, the, there's loads of free information on there, uh, links to my social, links to the book. Uh, all of it is on uh, marrowwealth.com. And awesome. yeah, they could pre-order the book. The book is available everywhere. Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, all of these kind of places. It's kind of crazy. And uh, if people pre-order the book, there's loads and loads of free bonuses, uh, including the Trading Mind Wheel virtual conference, full-day virtual conference uh, that's happening on April 4th. Awesome. You got any last words for the audience? Yeah. Uh, you know, you the the most important thing uh the most the best time to start uh anything was yesterday or uh, last year or the year before that the second best time is now so if you want to start studying and improving yourself start now i love it i love it hey we'll see you guys next time on the mastermind podcast peace, peace. hey man thanks so much killed it that was